Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucking nots? What the fuck, Nicks? And what the fuck ups? I seem to be continually adding to these. I thought I was done with it. I thought I had made a decision. I thought we knew what was up. But no, some of them keep coming in, and I keep deciding to add new ones on. Folks, I don't know what to tell you. I I really don't, other than I'm sorry. I'm a spiteful fuck. Are you a spiteful fuck? I mean, I know a lot of you know me. You know me pretty well by this point, if you're listening a lot. And and by the way, I want to thank all of you who came out to the show's in Alston, Massachusetts, and in Cambridge, Massachusetts, at Great Scott, and also at the, the Comedy Studio. Had a good time. We had, we had great shows. I don't know if I already thanked you, but I'm thanking you again, because they were great, and I'm hoping to see some of you in London. But I am a spiteful fuck, and I try to manage it, and there's just something about it. I don't know what it is. Why does spite feel better than, than, than is it love? Is love the opposite of spite? I don't fucking even know i need to get over this so my resentment has paralyzed me for years and i think i'm getting better at it the reason i'm bringing this up is i'm going to talk to mike berbiglia and this is a guy that i've resented for years I've, i feel like i've known him since he was a kid and i've done nothing but but spite him and uh i, I don't know why it's just there's something about the the sort of the compression the tightness the the pressure the 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 tension of spite that, that feels so fucking satisfying. Why does it feel good to hate on somebody? Not even hate, but you know what I'm saying. You know, be self-righteous and, and sort of condescending. And, and it's a control thing. But I do know that throughout Mike's career, I saw him start as a comic. And it, I, I didn't like him then because I, I, didn't, uh, I knew his sister was in the business. And I thought, like, like that should make a fucking difference. What are these, what are these principles we put together for ourselves? What is this? What are these these rules that we put together for ourselves? For ourselves, like uh, like when I'm I'm younger, like it was a uh, some sort of violation that uh, his sister was in in show business, and now he was going to start as a comic. Like that didn't count. The fact that Jesse Klein used to work at Comedy Central that means that she can't be a comedian. I mean, I used to have these principles in place that, that some of them are just ridiculous. People have jobs. All right, so that was strike one against Mike. All right, and then he started doing comedy, and then, uh, you know, he was picking up some momentum, and then he started doing theater pieces. And he came to see my theater piece at the time, the Jerusalem Syndrome, and, you know, he was into it, and then, he, you know, he used to talk to me about, uh, about long-form uh, monologues, and then he did his own, then he started, you know, telling me to come to his shows. I would never come to his shows because I literally took it as an attack. I, he would say, why don't you come see my show? And I'd be like, what are you, are you saying that you're, well, you just want to put it in my face, that you're better than me? And this has been going on for years, and I try to deal with it because I know he's a good guy. I know he's a talented guy. I know he's paid his dues. But this is one of the last sort of holdouts of, of, of my spite gallery. You know, there's a spite gallery in my head. And there are people been, whose, whose pictures have been hanging in the spite gallery for, for years. You know, John Stewart, he's got uh, his own room in the spite gallery. Uh, you know, Louis C.K., my dear friend, who knows? You know, he knows. He knows how I feel. You know, he's got a few places in the Spike Gallery. Mike Perbiglia uh, has a few pictures up in the Spike Gallery. Uh, there are others, uh, n- none that I can think of right offhand, but they're just certain people that you judge yourself against. 
Uh, and I don't, I don't know why that is. I mean, the thing with John Stewart was paralyzing to me for years because I thought we were similar. I thought we were charming. I thought we, uh, you know, we're funny. We're Jewish. We're smart. And he was so such a huge success. And there was a period there where he would be on all of these magazines and everything else, and it was just I could not walk down the street without uh, his "fuck you" face, uh, just you know, on newsstands. It was ridiculous. Pow! I just shit my pants. Sorry. Justcoffee.coop. So, how do we get over this? We just got to let it go. Let love in. Is that the deal? I just don't, you know, I hope this goes well with Mike because, uh, you know, I got to get over this stuff. And he's definitely one of these dudes I got to make, uh, you know, I got to apologize to for being a dick. Because, you know, I, I saw him on Letterman. And uh, he's very good. He's a very skilled comedian. He's uh, he does a rare thing. Yeah, he's uh, he does uh, single story jokes. That's that's hard to do. I'm a big fan of that. There's only a few people that do that. Uh, you know, Al Madrigal does it, and it's hard to do. And and I you know I, I like the guy, but I, I've got a big. Uh, I feel like I've got a big hatchet to bury on this one because I've been a spiteful cunt, and I'm referring to me. I'm getting. I'm you know I'm going to England, so I'm trying to you know integrate that word. In a, in a sociable way. I have met people who have liked me so much. Oh, really? Were that they working they, for you? They, no. I had a fan, Mike. Now, I don't know about your fans. Mike Verbiglia is uh, talking to me, which is nice because you know, I've, I've been nasty to him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really fucking nasty. Yeah, I, it, I was embarrassed that how nasty I was the last time that I was nasty to you, and you probably don't even notice it. But I, uh, but I have the fans. only reason I noticed is because my director was with me, That's and he right. goes, "We walked away because I I came up to you and I was like, I was like, hey Mark, I think I'm gonna come see your show. Yeah, and you were like, I don't need this shit. You're like you were like so. I mean, I was like, this is my director, and you're like, I don't fucking need this. This is the last thing I need. And I, you know, I, and then we walked away, and I'm having lunch with Seth and my director. Yeah, I'm sleepwalk with me, and he goes, and I was like, so I'm gonna go back to the show. He goes, you're gonna go to his show after what he just said to you, and I was like, I feel like as a comedian, people yeah. are so mean to each other. Yeah. Comedians are so mean to each other that yeah. you become immune to it after a while. So I was like, yeah, I think. And he was like, I don't know why you do this to yourself. Like you're you. You just a glutton for punishment, and so I didn't go. Actually, I know you didn't kind of talked me out of it. He talked you out of it yeah. because he, but it was really just me, you know, having a moment of uh, deep resentment. Yeah. At uh, you know, at the structure of things. I mean, you know, for me to be playing in the basement mm-hmm. of your successful run, right? Though a coincidence. Whatever the case. Coincidence, yeah. No, of course. I yeah. mean, I, I don't think you planned your run saying, like, is there any chance yeah. that Mark Marin will be workshopping a show mm-hmm. downstairs? Because I really need to pull rank on him. Yeah. So, but I, but I always assume that about you anyways. I assume that because of your, your niceness and your sort of ambitious disposition, that somehow or another you're arrogant. Sure. And you may be. I don't know. We'll find I don't, out. I don't think so. You don't think so. But like, so when I, for for the longest time, like because I knew that there was a time where you were coming to see my shows and you were excited and you you liked my shows. And then when you started doing shows, you like you were like, are you coming to see my show? I heard it as like, I'm going to show you, fucker. Oh I'm God, gonna... <laughs> that's awful. What? I'm just telling you. Your what? brain is despicable. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
kidding. I'm kidding. That's too strong. Too strong. No, but you know what's troubled? Funny? Troubled. You know what's funny about? But I apologize for that, by the way. I, I know, and I because I, felt... I got the email back then. Oh, that's I you did. You sent email. me an email. I did. Like you sent me an email, and this is a this is kind of um a, a a clue into Mark's brain and how it works. I got an email from you like three months after it happened. Is that true? Yeah, and it was just like, hey, sorry about that, man. And like that was it. It was just like, oh, Mark's been mulling this over for some time. <laughs> Oh no! But you know, it's funny is that over the years, uh, yeah. just to paint the full picture of the Mark Maron Mike Birbiglia relationship, I mean, you've also been very sweet to me, um, and uh, and it, I think actually that's what's painful about our relationship is that we go back and forth between you being very sweet to me and you being very mean to me. Yeah, and it's like a father like relationship in in that way because I really admire you and I always have. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I I never told you this. Maybe I told you this at some point when I was in college. I was such a big fan of yours that I loosely based a, a play I wrote on you and uh, Dave Attal and comp- you know. Oh yeah. Composite of a few other comedians. Yeah. yeah. And what was I the angry? Yeah, you were a troubled comedian who will never have a, a sustainable relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that I outgrew that. You know, I, I'm very, <laughs> I'm happy that that didn't turn out to be true. Right, you know, right, I, right. Your in, your intuitions were not at all right. Now I have your book. Your publisher sent it. I've I've read the table of contents, <laughs> <laughs> but I had every intention because like I I do like you again, and I never disliked you. I just it's just a jealousy thing with me, and you got to know that that my my worst. That, you know, really, it's not a judgment on you. I'd, I would never say that you were a bad comic. I would never say that you're anything but a hardworking, funny guy that a lot of people like. But you're just a guy that figured something out for yourself. And you seem to have the discipline and the ambition and the talent to make a lot of things go right. And what I've learned from talking to other performers is that, you know, that doesn't just happen. Uh, you know, people who get to where you are work hard. And you work hard. And I'm not, you know, and for me... I to work be, so hard, I jump out windows. Well, that, that's true. You're, that In your sleep, you want to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they actually have a name for it. Uh, I think it's called, like, pseudo-suicide. Parasomnia pseudo-suicide. So when people but, die in their sleep. But that is not the name of your ailment. You, your sleep, what you were... Well, it would have been had I died. died. Had I died. Yeah. Now, you're, what you're talking about, I don't know how many people who listen to my show know you, and I'm sure a lot of them do... Uh, is uh, Sleepwalk with me? That is the show, and the uh, and the, and the book coming out soon. Is it, when is it out? They can October, pre-order October it now. 12, can you pre-order, pre-order it? it yeah. Sleepwalk with me and other painfully true stories. Th- that's all based on truth. You you were synambulist. Is that what they call it? Synambulism. Yeah, I, I, I was diagnosed with after the, the, I jumped through the window with what's called REM behavior disorder. Um, that's what they call it. Yep. They don't call it somnambulism anymore. Well, no, that's I think somnambulism. I'm not. I don't even with know if I'm stuff, pronouncing but, it right. Is but, uh, that how you pronounce it? Well, I think that's kind of a catch-all for a lot of sleep disorders. Oh, okay. Um, but the specific disorder I've been diagnosed with is REM behavior disorder and some sleep apnea and 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 traces of narcolepsy. Traces of narcolepsy? Yeah. Is that going to happen during the show? I mean, <laughs> hard to say. Well, you were suggesting I sit on the bed, and I thought that was a bad idea because I could fall asleep. Just, I, I just ate a sandwich, and I could fall asleep. You could just fall asleep in the middle of a conversation. It's possible. Sir, has it happened? It's happened with my wife. Well, that happens in every marriage. <laughs> but getting back to why I like you, and then we'll, we'll talk about sleepwalking, is that uh, you started out 
as a doormat, right? Yeah, the DC Improv. So, like, you didn't, like, a lot of people, you know, uh, say that, you know, they, they, I don't know if you're considered an alternative comic or what you're considered, but, but the truth of the matter is you always wanted to do comedy and that you started the way that comics do. I started as a doorman. You were a doorman yeah. at a comedy yeah, club. Yeah, yeah, You were so at you the could, comedy store. Right. Yeah. So you could learn how to do comedy. Absolutely. And it's then like you comedy could, college. I always suggest it to people. Is it still an available job? I guess it is. There's a lot of guys that still do it. Sure. Like my manager started out as a manager of a comedy club. That's the way the system works. Yeah. So when you were starting out, what year was that? 97 is when I got that job. Really? See, yeah. 97? Yeah. You've only been doing comedy 13 years? Yeah, 13, 14 years, yeah. Oh, I don't like you again. Are you serious? No, what? I'm okay. No, Come I'm on, you... 14 years? That's not enough for you? No, I, no, it's enough. But I mean, but you're almost done, it seems. No, I'm not. I'm so far from done. You, you've, you've, you've done everything already. What happens now? Do you retire? Are you serious? What happens now? If you and I had this conversation like months ago. You don't understand. Like, I'm struggling like everybody else. You are? I'm not set in any way. I live in a, my wife and I live in a small apartment in New York City. You know, I work the road all the time to make a living. You know, like, Do you draw I, I'm not, everywhere? I'm not like one of these guys, like, like Gaffigan, Gaffigan or Dane or one of these guys who's like stacking up millions. Okay. I don't have that, man. So okay, all right, all right. So okay, I feel better. So, uh, <laughs> but you do like. But here's why I got the renewed respect is that I watched your last Letterman. Yeah, and uh, you really know how to write a fucking story joke. Like Thanks. all the, the the form that you chose, which is not an easy form, and it's not a form that everyone does that hardly anybody does anymore. Which is uh, you know storytelling stand up. Which means it's not alternative. It's not. It's not anything other than stand up. Yeah. Because when you do stories, when you do story jokes, you have to you know, beat them out. I mean, there are jokes within the story, and people yeah. don't realize it. I only know a couple of people that do it. Madrigal does it. Uh, you do it. Uh, Larry Miller used to do it, but I don't know a lot of guys that do that form of joke telling anymore. That form of stand up, and it's fucking great to see. And 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 it's a it's a rare thing. It takes balls because if you're doing a story joke and it ain't sticking. In the first minute, yeah. and it's a five-minute piece. Oh, yeah. There's a lot <laughs> in the type of comedy that I, I do. There's so much failure. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. So much failure. No matter how big you get or, or anything, like because you always have to work it out on stage. Right. One of, our, one of yours and my conversations from probably like seven or eight years ago at the Comedy Store, which is actually when you liked me best. I had just come off of a breakup. And I was so self-loathing and oh, sad. Right. right, and you were like, let's talk. Yeah, and I and I was at the comedy store. It was like, I was standing at the Hyatt next door, and it was probably like 2 in the morning. Yeah. Like, I'm alone at the comedy store. I mean, what? I'm just like just miserable. Wandering and, around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, I was, and I was having one of those kind of moments of like, you know, my life is nowhere, and, and I've ruined my life by yeah. essentially ending a relationship that was redeeming in a lot of ways like i was with this girl who was so much better than me as a human being in a lot of ways that's not hard to find as a comic yeah exactly (laughs) and i I walked away from that and of course i'm going well i ruined everything yeah and and you were like you know you did and it's okay you know that was kind of what you said to me and but but on in that and that was the closest that you and i have, have ever been was that night because i think that you're attracted to misery I think you're attracted to sadness like like a moth to a flame. I, I, I think I'm wired to receive it. Like I, I would agree with you at a different point in my life because my dad's manic depressive. So I think that I am programmed to to 
connect to sadness. Yeah. But I do not like the feeling of, like I had it happen today. I talked to a fellow that I don't know that well who was clearly depressed because I can sense it like a, a dog hears those whistles. Yeah. I can feel people's you know, depression and sadness. Sure. And I, I have to put a boundary up unless, because yeah. I think part of me thought that that's how I interact with people. Yeah. And as I get older, I realize that's not true. I just have to say like, look, I, I, I hope you're okay, but I, I can't. My mom made that point once about, because I was talking to her about like, Oprah and all these Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil type shows. Yeah, and, yeah. and I was saying it seems good overall that yeah. they kind of like, you know, get people to talk about their feelings and their problems and blah, blah, blah. My mom's a nurse and my dad's a doctor. And, and, and she she was saying, yeah, but the danger actually is that you kind of open people up and then they don't go to see a doctor and they don't follow up. And so they're kind of have an open wound that is never or that or that they and they think that you can on. fill it yeah that like you know like oh god you opened me up you, where are you going yeah exactly and you know it's taken me a long time to to deal with that i you know i i feel that most of our problems is really you know like i i bonded with you because you were you know you were in a you were in a tough place and i'm not i'm not a guy that abandons guys you know i mean if i if i can show up for somebody i will you know, yeah. Even if I don't uh, know you or, or like you that much. But, but one of the things that you said to me in our long, it was a kind of marathon conversation was you said that, 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 um, real, you, you make a lot of kind of platitudes about comedy and things like that. You, <laughs> I say, used to. I used you to. say, or you don't anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, I try not. But to. one of the things that you said, two things that you said that always stuck with me. One was that I hope they're good. One of them is that real comedians, uh, are social satirists. Yeah. Um, and I, it's always stuck with me. And I always I always think about that. Like, is this satirizing something? Not, and it doesn't have to be politics or right. culture, but is, is it a comment on something that's right. real? And and then the other thing that you said was that real, real comedians, this is a stretch, real comedians never write anything down. <laughs> <laughs> which which is funny because... Oh, that's probably just a dig at you. Right? Yeah, because I write a lot of stuff down. I have my laptop everywhere at all I times. I write all kinds of shit down. I just don't, I don't, it, I can't read it later. But but the thing that you're saying about developing comedy as a story, yeah. it actually requires a lot of flying without a net and of course. And, 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 and dying on stage with right. no script right. and recording. I just record right. like crazy. Right, that's what I do. And, and sometimes I listen to it because like I found that even, and that's why I respect you and maybe why there's jealousy because I, I think that you've, you know, you've done something that I like doing, but you've made it, you know, palatable. Your 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 life and the way you see things uh, is unique, but it's it's not going to make people uncomfortable. Yeah, maybe. I mean, like you know, you're not. You, 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 there's not part of you that that maybe I'm wrong, but yeah. I mean, I have a part of me that that fights an audience. Yeah, you know, and it, and it's the same part of me that you think likes sadness. That you know, <laughs> there, there's just part of me that like if you like me. You know, uh, how can you like me? I don't like me. Whatever it is, I haven't quite figured it out. But I have to, I have to fight to stay open in a way that isn't just sad. Yeah. And to, you know, and, to, and and allow people to have a nice experience. You seem to do that. Yeah, I mean, I work on that. Really? I, like, I mean, what, what do you mean? Like, so you like, gotta... in, like in the sense that, like, I work with a director, Seth Barish, who right. directed Sleepwalk with me, and he's directing my new show, My Girlfriend's Boyfriend, which I just got back from Montreal and Toronto. I did it there. What's that about? Um, it's about. It it it's an offshoot of this story I did in This American Life about how I was in a car accident where I was hit by a drunk driver. I was nearly killed in Los Angeles. And what do you mean nearly killed? You in the like, hospital? Like in the sense that I was T-boned, driver side. Oh, okay, in the car. Yeah. So if it was like inches from yeah. from me, sure. I'd be dead for sure. Right. right. Um, you know, my car spun around, and, sure. and my car was totaled. Were and, you in the hospital? 
No, I, I was... It was just one of those things you look at the car and you're like, holy fuck. Yeah, exactly. You, it's that's like literally in the story. In that car. I should be dead. Right. Yeah. And and then uh, in this odd turn of events, I was um, made to pay for the driver's car. The drunk driver's car. This is actually, if anyone wants to hear the full story, it's, it's an episode called Return to the Scene of the Crime on This American Life. Um, just to give some podcast sharing. Sure, he needs uh, he needs more listeners. <laughs> but uh, but but anyway, the the gist of it was I I had to pay for this guy's car. It's like twelve thousand dollars, and I think you and I probably have this in common. Is that I when I think I'm right about something, it can be a real source of contention sure. between me and people I'm close to. And the reason it's a source of contention is that I'm right. Right is my joke, and right and, and you show. you may not you may not realize at that time that you're just being stubborn. Yes, and and so I and so I was I was really dead set. I mean, I, I was I was on uh, online up until four or five in the morning every night researching California state driving laws and printing out Google Maps of the scene of the accident. And I was on a site called so NetDetective.com. Net so this is like your Lenny Bruce moment. You became obsessed with the legalities of the situation. Exactly, but in a really relatable way. <laughs> it wasn't like, I'm being screwed by the government. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. And strung out on no, heroin. It was literally like I was on the phone with lawyers, private investigators, and I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sue this guy, and I'm going to sue the LAPD. And I, Why did you, what was the crux of the reason that you had to pay for his car? Because he was um, uninsured? The, no, because the um, the accident report, the officer checked the box that found me at fault, and then the 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 officer didn't. This this happens all the time. The officer checks the box that says you're at fault. There's a thing on the on, on the thing. They put in a number. It's a number that signifies who's at fault. And and there were so many incongruities and mistakes in, in the report. And it clearly says he's drunk and all this stuff, but yet. He, it said that I was at fault in, in California state driving law. If you're at fault, then you owe, regardless of anything, basically, you owe the money. Wow. And so I tried to get the cop on the phone. Eventually, I do get the cop on the phone. Yeah. And I, I just, there's nothing I could do. And I basically, the, the show is about thematically about letting go of being right. And in my relationship with my now wife and how I was so dead set against marriage or living with anyone, you know, I... I have like this really, I have like a, a list of like seven really concrete reasons why I don't believe in the idea of marriage. Um, one of which is I'm never going to be happy. Why would anyone want to be a part of that? Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, and just a lot of other kind of practical things like, you know, monogamy is impossible or, or very unlikely uh, and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and But you I, seem like a sort of a, a loyal, decent fella. Yeah, I think at I'm, my best I am, sure. I mean, I think I must misjudge you. In what sense? Well, just in the sense that, like, you know, because I, I, I had this sense that, you know, you were uh, uh, arrogant. And this has happened to me before with you, that, you know, you, you know, you thought the world of yourself, that, you know, you're like, uh, you're, you know, but, but you no, really just, no, you're completely up in your head. You're hard on yourself. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, you're actually not arrogant. You're socially retarded. Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah, okay. I'm a mess. How's your sister? Gina, she's good. Okay. She's living in Providence with her family. All right. She introduced me to you. Yeah, well, she worked at HBO. Mm -hmm. And and then, you know, I remember because she said, my brother's going to do stand-up. I'm like, great, just what we need. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> she's just adorable. I used to... I yeah, Gina got me into all... I mean, it's to Gina's credit, 
um, got me into the right comedy. You know, when I was in right. college, she was hanging me, around Luna a yeah, little bit. Sent me Mitch Hedberg special. Sent yeah. me your special. You know, well, it's amazing you a, didn't become a drug addict. Sent me a, <laughs> sent me a tell special. Oh fuck! And you didn't end up with a drinking or drug problem. And those were the three comics she sent you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's true. How'd she manage not to get fucked up? You're just not the kind of guy. I, I mean, I'm fucked up in the sense that I, I, I have a serious sleep disorder where I jump through a window. So I think that matches up to pretty much any drug. Yeah, but or you're not getting any abuse. fun out of that. Yeah, I don't know. You came up with some guys, though, right? I mean, did, how do you know? Did you go to school with Mulaney and Kroll? And, and am I making that Nick, up? Nick Kroll, I cast in the improv group, in my improv group in college. Okay. Um, and he and I have been friends since college. We were in a group called the Georgetown Players, and and then Mulaney was cast by Nick at, a year after I left. And so I know I would go to, back and do like workshops. With you the started the group? group. I was one of the people who started it. Yeah, and and then Mulaney, when he got out of school, I took him on the road to open for me for about a year or so. And um, and so, yeah, that's how I know Nick. and. Mulaney. So your generation is really like, you know, Nick, Mulaney, Kroll, Dimitri. Dimitri was before me. Like when I showed, up, when I showed like... up in New York, Dimitri was huge. People were like, oh, you're good, but you should see Dimitri. <laughs> Why were they comparing you? Were you being Hedbergy at the time? <clears throat> I feel like it. Yeah, I had a Hedberg phase. Yeah. Everyone goes through these phases of their heroes, and then like the good guys, they kind of transcend it or make yeah. it their own somehow. Yeah, at a certain point, I was just like, no, actually what I'm good at is this, you know, something else. So you're telling me, how now what your draw when you go out, you're big everywhere, or you're just big where you, the radio gets, Where where's that at now? Can you sell out, what, a 500-seat theater anywhere you go now? This fall, <clears throat> I'm going to venues that range from about 700 to 1,800. Okay. And, uh, in specific markets or well, anywhere? This fall is like D.C., Philly, Boston, you know, L.A., San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, which are pretty comedy-friendly, public radio-friendly markets. So you think that it's mostly the This American Life stuff? This American Life stuff is tremendously helpful. I mean, their audience is so smart. And, and they're they, great. Yeah, it's a huge audience. Yeah, and, and then, you know, the, the, there's been Comedy Central fans from the start because right. they've done three specials on there. So. It's kind of this accumulation of Bob and Tom people. Bob and Tom helps a lot. Um, you know, I w yeah. So, I don't but know. were you always aware of that? I mean, just this guy, for the people that are comedians, which are are many who listen to this show, that you're one of these guys that you know other comics look at and say, well, you know, he's fucking selling T-shirts. You know, he's doing a million things. Yeah. He's networking. He's got a regular spot on Bob and Tom. He can go on there whenever he wants. Like now, when you when you were coming up, when you started to to get your act together, how calculating were you in in devising this system? Because some guys are like, you know, they know they're going somewhere. They wake up. They could be in D.C. and they're going to Los Angeles. They're yeah. doing morning radio in Los Angeles. They're waking up at three in the morning to do it from D.C. for L.A. Like there are guys that are that that can focus their talent creatively and their ambition pr you know, productively. Yeah. And you strike me as someone who does that. How calculating are you with that stuff? Uh, Seriously. Know, in, no, I, I'm, I'm. If you're talking I'm, to a young comic. No, I, I, I think. Well, it's funny because the T-shirts thing you're saying, like, yeah, I sell T-shirts. Yeah, but uh, two things. One, so do bands. No, no, I'm not. So I'm not it's not a negative. No, no, no I know. But I, I'm just saying, like, uh, and there's other things. I don't really make money on T-shirts. Like, we actually, You don't? No. We, like, I would, uh, I'd make a lot of money if I had some kind of shitty, you know, kind of, like, 
catchphrasey like hey i, I don't know what these people tell so a lot of comics like they'll sell t-shirts where it's not even their joke yeah of course like, it's just kind of like some yeah, they hokey, sell t-shirts like but you spencer got the bear Gif- right spencer gifts kind of thing. yeah but that bear is just like a good looking shirt like a with bear. a bear and a microphone yeah, it's like an icon of like a bear it's like a drawing of a bear did you come up with comedy. that no this artist who i went to college with did it so it's I, just and he's be, it's become your trademark i guess so yeah <laughs> <laughs> you don't but, make any money off your fucking t-shirt no nah, i mean we we kind of break even like like my goal with all that stuff is just like i want people to come to the shows and and if you give them t-shirts then they'll remember that oh yeah that this show is was that great yeah. yeah let's go to that show again and like basically let me i'll boil it down to this when i was like 23 i was like a year out of college lucian hold uh, who's, the comic who's, strip. who's, who's passed not away. alive now? Yeah. Um, he took to me. He's, he ran the comic strip, and he got me into Montreal Comedy Festival, New Faces, which is like a big deal. Yeah, you know when you're and then it was. Yeah, it and still kind of it was even yeah it was even bigger yeah even bigger and and so and it went well you know at least in my head and then and then you know everybody my, my agent and my manager were like you got to go to L A to get a deal. I actually have a chapter in my book about this where like where I was like, okay, a deal for what? And they're like, <laughs> for a sitcom. Yeah. You know? And I was like, I don't I was thinking to myself, like, I don't even want to be on a sitcom. Like that was not a, that's not a goal. But they were like, they'll give you a hundred thousand dollars. And I was like, Oh, I gotta get a deal. That's a small deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> at that four, time, three, four, you could have gotten for two fifty. I thought there were two fifty was a goal. No, rate. I know, but but you know, I was so broke and everything. Yeah. I was just like, oh yeah, let's get a deal. And yeah. I, I went out there, took all these meetings with all the networks. I had like twenty. I still have the itinerary. I had like twenty-seven meetings in a week. Wow, that must have been fake networks too. Yeah, and it, exactly. Uh, yeah, production network, companies, yeah, networks, yeah. production yeah. companies, and, and every every meeting they're like they they'd be like you're going to get a deal. You're great. You know? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to get a deal. And then, and then, you know, cut to like a week later, I'm flying home and it's just hitting me. Like I don't have a deal, you know? And I had called like that week I had gone from being like, I don't know what a deal is to being like, I'm going to get a deal. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be dating Heather Locklear. I'm going to be a millionaire. And I was calling people I knew like, Hey, listen to this. Yeah. I'm going to be a millionaire. (laughs) And and I flew home and I was, and I didn't have a deal and, and, and and I never got one uh, from that. And, and that was the point at which I was like, no more fake stuff. Yeah. And that's why I went on the road. I was like, the road's not fake. It's real. I mean, that's that's the noble path as a comic. That's a sign of somebody who wants to be a real comic. And what I'm hearing is is a guy who wanted to be a real comic. Because I was the same way. I don't want a sitcom, but there was a caveat to it. It's like unless it can be exactly me yep. doing yeah. exactly what I do. Yeah, exactly. But, but which it, it can never be. I mean, I was hearing Adam Carolla was saying this the other day. He's just like, yeah, if someone gives you money. They want something back. Right. It's like, you can't do what you want to do if somebody hands you money. Yeah, but the big test is, is a, what, 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 and what we're all looking for. I think he's right. And, but I, I think that you are given money at different points in your life. Sure. And they do want something back, but they don't always know what they want. Yeah. So you have to figure out how to give them exactly what you want and ha- have them want it as well. Yeah. And that's a big trick. But then 
in the long run, that has to make them money. Yes. Yeah. If you don't make someone else's money, if you don't make someone else money, you're useless yeah. on any level. Yeah. Whether it's you know performing on the road, doing a sitcom, a play, it doesn't matter. Or even if the thing is great and, and critics think you're a genius, if you don't make someone else money, you're not going to get another opportunity. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah, it's business. So that's the sort of thing when you, you see somebody like Louis, who, who, CK, who's taken all this time, yeah. you know, in all these different shots and clearly has a, a certain genius, and now he's gotten himself into a position where he's doing exactly what he wants to do. Yeah, it's incredible. I love this show. Yeah, it's a hell of a roll of the dice. I mean, we're going to see what happens, but he's going to walk away from that, whatever happens, yeah. saying he, he like... He did what he wanted to do. Yeah. I, I, I did it my way. Right. Yeah. And there, there's no one to blame but me. I know. I was on the phone with Dave Becky yesterday, who's... Is he your manager, your manager too? Not right? anymore. No? No. He's I have no, no bad blood. He's Louis's manager. And your manager. And I... Yeah. And I said to him, I was like, I, was like, I want I want Louis's deal. I want yeah. to do exactly what I want to do for no money. I mean, I'll do it for nothing. Right. Just let me do what I want to do. And, and Dave was laughing. He's just like, oh, man, this is going to be the new thing that everybody says. I want Louis's deal. Right. And what did he say? Well, yeah, we'll try. Right. I guess like a, a, it's not no money. And and I, I imagine that, you know, I, I you know, there was no, no, some I mean, money. Louis you, doing fine. <laughs> no, 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 no. What yeah. I'm saying is that like you're saying you would forfeit a, uh, yeah, I would a take salary. A, I would take a hit like my play off Broadway. Right. I lost a fortune. Right. You I did? Mean, yeah. I mean, Why? Because. And you sold tickets, was it? I, I sold was, tickets, but I, my deal was so bad. With who? Well, who made the money? The theater and who? The production entity? Yeah. I don't, you know. There's I'm sorry. There's producers right. and financiers, and there's all kind of people. And at the end of the day, I mean, I, I mean, I don't even, I don't know who made money, who didn't, whatever. But, right. But I was on salary. Okay. And was it a guarantee? It was a guarantee. So that's what you got. Yeah. So I was making, instead of taking a gamble on numbers, you said I want guarantee salary. Basically, yeah. Right. Instead of putting up right. a, a half a million dollars myself, right? Yeah, I took this minuscule guarantee. And, huh. And uh, yeah, and I I took a hit for months and months, and but what I got out of it was this incredible artistic experience, like that I never. No one's casting me off Broadway in a show. Look, I'm doing like I'm talking to you in a hotel room. I'm doing something in my garage, but I've never been more fulfilled. Yeah, absolutely. Just I mean, just to have the sort of freedom to do whatever the hell you want. Oh yeah. Or do it on your own terms, and people are coming to see me. I mean, it feels great. I think actually one of the th things that economically is interesting about comedy is that. I feel like we're in, and I'm even reluctant to say this because I hate the idea of it. I feel like we're in kind of a comedy boom right now, the way that people describe the '80s, you know, where where it was like people are comedians are selling off theaters. And I think they're, they're finding stars. their people. People yeah, are finding their people. But I, but I think that the reason why is that comedy actually is good right now, and the reason comedy is good is because the the period of time when this generation of popular comedians came up, there was no money in comedy. And so they got in for the right reasons. Right. You know, Louis didn't get into comedy to make money. You didn't get into comedy to make money. You know, I didn't get into comedy to make money. No one was making money in the 90s. Right. But, but we got it, in because we wanted to be comics. They wanted to be, because we wanted to be comics. But now, I think the danger is, there's like, there's like 100,000 people trying to be comedians Look, right I now. got a real problem with it. Yeah. I do too, and because my... I talk to more. I've talked to more guys who come up to me, and I'll give advice to any comedian. But I have more people come up to me. How do you get an agent? How do you get a sitcom? How do you get this? And like, I don't know. You that... well, the, the weird. The, I don't know what happened because I was thinking about. It. I was trying to think about it to myself or try to figure out, you know, how, how and why. 
Like I, I have no problem with people trying something. I have no problem with with people wanting to be stand-ups. I do have a problem with people that perform, you know, you know, one or two sets in front of a, a an audience of twelve other comics and then call themselves a comedian. Like I would not have called myself a comedian until I was paid for being a comedian. Yeah. I, I I just thought like I'm trying to be a comic or I'm an open micer sure. or or uh, you know I'm, yeah, that bothers me. I don't want to deter anybody from their creative dreams. But what I don't understand is when the fuck did it become so not frightening? <laughs> There's no intimidation. Well, I mean, it used to be like, oh my god, you're a comic. I could never do that. Now it's like you're a comic. I'm doing that. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. do you mean you're doing it? Yeah, I do comedy too. Where all, all of a sudden it seems like a reasonable fucking job for people yeah, exactly. that everybody thinks I, I that think they can do the it. Problem. Is that it? It seems very doable, and and you know. But is it to make a living though? I mean, you got people saying, "How do I get a sitcom?" To me, that's still there's still a drop off between a person who asks that you know their their wisdom of anything. You know, really, like I'm saying that they really think that they can just get an agent and get a sitcom. I mean, there's hardly any sitcoms on. That person has to be a moron. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know, how do I get booked here? How do I get booked here? I don't know. It's just become. It's seemingly more doable. I mean, I, I think it's similar to the 80s where there's a lot of comedy rooms. There's a lot more comedy rooms now. There's improvs everywhere. But you don't think there's it's just in, by virtue in, of the fact that you, no one could get a job anywhere? Like, they're like, there's no fucking jobs. <laughs> right, what right. the hell difference does it make? Right, right. I might as well it. be a comic. Right, right. Like, I, I'm not going to do any better than the job I have. Let me try this, too. Well, I just like, and that's what also bothers me about all these people. You know, you know, for every comic that says he's a comic, for everybody who wants to be a comic... There's twice as many people sitting around waiting to call comics thieves and liars. Yeah. They, this is the weirdest thing to me. Like, I understand the whole stealing thing and the whole, like, you know, other people's material and stuff. But look, if there are thirty to 40,000 people doing stand-up comedy, someone's going to have to make a list of jokes and topics that everyone is going to do. Yeah. And shut the fuck up. Yeah. I got your episodes on that are great. The Robin Williams one and the Mencia one. So good. I, I had a guy tweet the other day, like, you know, you were really funny. Doing the, uh, oh, I saw David Spade at UCB. He was pretty funny, but, you know, he, he would have been funnier hadn't he not done your joke about this. Ugh. And I wrote the guy back. I said, I don't do a joke about that. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, well, and then he writes back like, well, it must have been someone else. I'm like, well, you see, this is how fucking shit gets started. Yeah. Like, who the fuck are you? To, who are you? Did, did, you know, my friend Greg Warren has the funniest joke about this where he's like, because I'm sick of hearing every fucking middle in America tell me how shitty Dane Cook is. Yeah. It's like headline a club and then tell me you think maybe Dane Cook isn't as good. It's like he's a good he's a good comic. You might not like what he does, but he's a strong comic. Well, that's how they think they get their outlaw cachet by, you know, shitting on other comics. I yeah. just wish people would just shut the fuck up all around and just you know do your work. Do, yeah. your, do your work. Let's let's not get into let's not go down this rabbit hole. Let's talk about uh, your fucking sleeping problem. <laughs> okay. Because we didn't do that, and I don't know if my listeners know you necessarily. We 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 got we, you have a, a REM disorder, but what does that mean? REM behavior disorder means that I have a dopamine deficiency. You probably know all about that. Yeah, I'm I'm on my second mocha, <laughs> triple mocha. Uh, and it and it basically means that people who have this are they um. Uh, uh, you know, dopamine is the chemical that's released from your brain to your body when you fall asleep that paralyzes your body so you don't act out your dreams. People who have this can, you know, act out their dreams sometimes. Well, what do sometimes I have? Violently, sometimes they, you know, kill people. They've been known. People have been known to what people have. What I have have actually killed other people. Yeah, what judge sleep. is going to fall for that twice? <laughs> 
yeah. <laughs> I, I'm always running away in my dreams. Really? Yeah. It's, when you I mean, the, the dream that I had where I jumped out the window, it was that this is just marvelously symbolic. Um, it, the dream was that there was a guided missile headed towards my room. Your room? Yeah, at La Quinta Inn in Walla Walla, Washington. Sure. And um, and there's all these military personnel in the room with me. I jump out of bed. And I'm like, what's the plan? And they say, the coordinates are set on you specifically. <laughs> so I decide to jump out my window. That's that would, what, that's that what would, a lot of my dreams are like. That would They're, disrupt the guided missile system. Yeah. You like, could fool them. Yeah, a lot of my dreams are like, you know, uh, there's a hovering insect-like jackal in my bedroom, and I'll jump on the bed, and I'll be like, there's a jackal. I'll strike a karate pose. There's a jackal in the room, you know. And it's, it, yeah, it's never... I'm so I'm not aggressive as a person, so I've never actually had any of these dreams where I where you violent. win. Yeah, I never win. Where you take on the beast. Yeah, exactly. Like actually, there's a specific one in my show where I'm like, I'm I'm in uh, I'm I'm in the Olympics uh, for uh, like this arbitrary event, like dustbustering, and they tell me <laughs> Come that. On, no. Yeah, no, really, and I and they tell me that I got third place, and I stood <laughs> up in the third place dustbustering, and and. They say, actually, we reconsidered you got second place. And uh, and that's the, the joke I make in my show is, like, even in my dreams, I don't win. In my wildest dreams, I place. Right. And, uh, yeah. and, 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 and then the, the, I'm on the podium, and it starts wobbling. And I wake up, and I'm falling off the top of our five-foot bookcase, me and my girlfriend at the time, um, onto the floor, under my TiVo. This is when you wake up? Yeah, I wake up on the floor, and there's TiVo pieces everywhere. And uh, you know, my girlfriend wakes me up in the morning. She says, "What happened?" I said, "I, I got second place, and you know, I'm really sorry." <laughs> so, but these really happen to you. Yeah, that happened. But and there's no medication for this. There is medication. I'm on it now. It was the it was the jumping through the window where I was like, I have to do this. I mean, you ended I, up in the hospital. Yeah, I ended up in the hospital. I got stitches in my legs and my arms, and and like um, the show, you know, in the essay in the book that's about that. Um, is about denial and it's about how I had this problem for many years. I had You the, knew you had yeah, it. Yeah, I had the Olympics thing that mm -hmm. we just described. I, I had a dream where Brad Pitt was chasing me in the movie Fight Club and I sprinted out of my apartment and threw a chest of drawers in my wake like in an action film. That and that happened that in your ha apartment in yeah, real life. In real life. You threw the chest yeah. of drawers. And I still didn't see a doctor. Because I would I would think like Maybe I should see a doctor, and then I thought maybe I'll eat dinner. So you didn't and want I just to be in a, dinner for years. You, you didn't know? want to be in Fight Club. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I, I dreamed I was the Edward Norton character where my hand was being held down to pour oh, acid yeah, on no, it. Yeah, no, for part. the lie. Yeah, yeah, the lie, and uh, that's such a male nerd thing to know. The lie, the lie. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Sure. The, the yeah. uh, no, but uh, you know, I had that for years, and I would, I, I had the books on sleep. But what about your girlfriends? I mean, over time, weren't they like get help? Dude, yeah, I, I mean, I was Jenny, who's my wife now, was like, you got, you know, there, were they afraid no ever? You have to see that for you or for their safety. Yeah, I think if Jenny were here, she'd she'd speak volumes to her fear. Like what? We, what do you think would be her fears that you were going to hurt yourself again, hurt myself, or that, or you know, that, hurt yeah. her, kill, you know, die. That kind of thing. That's troubling because sleep's supposed to be a nice thing. Oh, I know why it's troubling. <laughs> what kind of medicine do you have? Clonopin. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But That's don't self-medicate if anyone's listening to this. Clonopin. Go to a doctor. No, so you take that at night? Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. 
<laughs> I uh, I'm not on anything because I don't need drugs. Oh yeah. Oh, clear as oh, a yes, bell. Oh yes, you do. I know. <laughs> Ask your peers. <laughs> <laughs> Which one do I need? I, don't I, know. I have anxiety too. You know. I'm sure you do. But how's your anxiety manifest itself? Because it's my belief that when you're an anxiety-ridden person, that you get overwhelmed with it, and it turns into something that looks like depression, but it's really just like literally giving up because you're so overwhelmed. Oh, that seems all right, about right. Yeah, my therapist doesn't think I have depression because I'm too, I'm, I'm too, uh, uh, you know, industrious to be to have depression. Like, right. I get stuff done. Right. But I get stuff done in kind of a manic way. Right. Like, blah, 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 hours, blah, blah, blah. hours. Right. Drinking coffee and then I just crash. Right. And then, like, but, like, to actually get to the point where you begin the work, is that a big fucking thing? Like, I get yeah. dread. Do you have dread? Like, yeah. when you have to travel? Absolutely. Or anything like that? I dread about this interview today. You did? What were you afraid of? Well, we've been emailing for a year about this this interview. But I know. I think it's going well. It is going well. It's great. Is there something you wanted to talk to me about? Did we cover yeah. it? I wrote down a couple bullet points, but I think we covered almost everything. You wrote bullet points now? What? What do you have? What kind of bullet points? <laughs> this is dumb. Great interviews. Bamford. Oh, yeah. Williams. Yeah, we talked Stiller. about Stiller. I think yours has been very good so far. Thanks. Mencia, David Cross, Doug Stanhope. Cross, I need to talk to him longer. You know what You know what Jenny says? Jenny loves a podcast, too. This is your wife. My wife. Have I met no, her? No, Richard Jenny. The late Richard Jenny. <laughs> the late Richard Jenny on your Ouija board said, <laughs> give me an interview with Marin. Um, Jenny says that you're... You're, you kiss everybody's ass who's your age or older, and you shit on everybody who's younger than you. Oh, my God. She told me not to come today. Oh, my God. She loves the podcast. <laughs> told me not to come. Everyone's got these ideas about how I behave. Yeah. Maybe that's true. I don't know oh, if that's true. Oh, this is, this is something funny from many years ago. Is we, we, I don't really go to the comedy cellar much anymore. And, and it's, I don't either. It, it's like it's too hurtful. It's too hurtful. That's what it is. I, I come away feeling bad about myself every time. Just by sitting with her. I mean, just by, you know, yeah. like having to deal with Esty, you know, where it's sort of like, you know, that she's like the queen of, of, of the world of show business. And, she's, and she never gives me, she gives me one spot. Like I'm in town. I'm like, yeah, I'm in New York. I'll go yeah. to the cellar. I'll hang out. She's like, I'll give you a 1230 <laughs> on Sunday. Yeah. And I'm like, really? I can't, I don't, my self-esteem can't handle that. Yeah. I, I have to say, like, Essie's been really good to me over the years. Um, and and so I would, I'd be reluctant to say anything even remotely negative about her. Uh, but I'm terrified of her and I'm terrified of all the comedians at the club. Oh, I understand that. I'm terror. I don't dislike any the of table. them. I'm, I don't dislike any of them. I, I respect all of them. I think Jim Norton's a great comic. I don't want to. just don't want to. I don't want to be around. You don't want to be in the snake pit. No. Yeah. No. There's a, there's there's a heavy amount of uh, of things I could see that would scare you. Like I do an ONA sometimes. I know you do it uh, sometimes. Yeah, it I terrifies to, me also. I imagine it would because I mean even me to some degree. I'm like, what's going to happen in there? Yeah. How? Yeah. What am I going to become part of? Last time, last time I was in ONA. I didn't even talk. I just watched some kind of stripper event happen for three hours. Right. Sure. That's what That's what I mean. It's like, is that, that like, going to happen? And that was like the best case scenario. Right. That's like a good day on that show. Right. I just learned that like, you know, there's part of me that, and I I spent two hours talking to Patrice O'Neill the other day. And, and yeah, I- Patrice O'Neill terrifies me. And he's a great comic. No, he's a great comic and he's a deep dude, but I'm not sure he's right. And, yeah. uh, and yeah. uh, but you know, when you listen to him, you're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you and I have this thing in common, which we talked about at the Comedy Cellar a long time ago, which is um, 
these comedy teller comedians will, and when we speak of these people, these are people I like. Sure. And are good comedians. We're primarily talking Robert about Kelly, uh, Jim Norton, Bobby Collin, uh, Nick DiPaolo, Jim Norton. Yeah. Uh, Keith Robinson. The, most of the tough crowd guys. Yeah. And, and which was a show that when I moved to New York, I desperately wanted to get on. Mm. And then I, at a certain point, realized, wait, no, I don't. It's going to hurt me. Yeah, this is just going to be terrible. And yeah. I did go on once and it was terrible. Um, but I'm, I'm, I have this problem with those comedians where they'll say really mean stuff to me. And everyone's laughing. Yeah. Everyone thinks it's great. Yeah. And then I say back to them yeah. something that I perceive as mean. Yeah. And then everybody goes, ooh, that's low, man. Oh, yeah. And, but that's their game. And, and I'm like, I just did the same thing that you did. Yeah. And, and you've, you actually said to me once that that's your problem with those guys is whenever you say something mean, somehow it's, it's actually mean. Yeah. It's not funny mean. Yeah. Like it's supposed to be. Yeah. It's mean, mean. But but it's the But see, the thing is, like, I I thought that till yesterday. And the truth of the matter is, it's like it's it's like if a bunch of guys play poker together every week, and then you come in and play one day, yeah. you're gonna lose all your money. Yeah. You know why? Because they all know how each other plays, and it's really more about that than the mean thing. Cause That's I, why I got I had to leave the comedy cellar because there was no. Nobody, I would make jokes at people's expense the way you're supposed to. Right. And they wouldn't laugh. Yeah, but and I was that. like, no, that's funny. But that's how they get you twice. You see what I mean? They'll take a shot at you, and then everyone will laugh, and you take your shot, and they all go, nothing. You got nothing, Babiglia. Yeah. And then you're hurt twice. They hit you twice <laughs> because they all play together. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. You My, just have to shut up. No, you just have to keep trying, and, you know, and then eventually they'll figure out how to be comfortable with you. Yeah, you know, it's like dealing with animals. Yeah, <laughs> you just have to keep showing up and you know, you know, trying to pet them, and yeah. eventually they'll be nice to you. Yeah, because I like to sit around with those guys. Yeah, I, I nice. like to, I like them to beat there's up some, on me. There's aspects of it that are fine. They always make me feel like I'm too mean. Yeah, where, where it's just like it's more of a tone thing because I think we might be the same in that. Like it's when I did a roast, when I did the Chevy Chase roast. Yeah, I'm no good at that because I don't generally insult people unless I'm defensive. Yeah, in, in, unless it's like a reaction or it's a preemptive. Trying to take someone down. Assault, right? Yeah, like I'm protecting myself. It's not fun loving. Yeah, it's not you know it's always mean spirited because I'm trying to be mean. Yeah, so I, I'm not good at that. Yeah. Like, even when I do crowd work, it gets very horrible. Oh, really? Well, no, everyone loves it, but I'll go too deep. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll you know. Huh. Like, I, just at Union Hall the other night, some guy, like, I was talking about Asians and how I don't feel like they, that I can communicate with them or they understand my charm or my neurotic sense of humor that I just don't know where they're at. And uh, some guy uh, in the audience goes, I'm Asian, I like you. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's great. I mean, maybe I'm picking up a little, you know, maybe I... Maybe I'm, maybe I'm better than I thought with them. And he's like, uh, but I like you because you're an asshole. And I'm like, uh, okay, well, I see that's something we clearly share uh, because you wouldn't be saying that. And, uh, and, and I said, what kind of Asian are you? He goes, uh, Korean. Uh, and uh, I go, well, what do you do? He goes, I'm unemployed right now. And I said, well, that must make your father very upset because the <laughs> Koreans are so like, you know. Yeah, sure. And he goes, yeah, 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 if he wasn't uh, dead for five years. Huh. And he just sucked the fucking energy out of the room. Yeah. So I go, five years, really? Shouldn't you be over it by now? <laughs> oh, my God. And it got a big laugh, but I don't know if it was the right kind of laugh. Shouldn't you be over it by now? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Isn't that funny? 
Yeah. No, that's funny. I mean, like, I, I'm trying to think what I what I would do in that situation because I actually had I do this other thing, which is I dig into the darkness and the sadness of the crowd. Right. So like, I was I was in a a a college in New Jersey once, and I, um, you know, I have a joke where I say I went to a funeral recently, and uh, um, and uh, and they handed out Kleenex at the beginning of the funeral, which I thought was cocky. You know, like, wait till you get a load of this funeral. You're going to cry and cry. She's yeah. so dead. Yeah. And and it was, like, really notably silent. Uh. And I go, well, did just, was there, like, a death on campus or something? And I was like, and uh, and and they were like, uh, someone in the audience goes, uh, someone just shot, like, earlier this week, shot uh, five people. And I was like, really? I was like, they were like, you didn't see that on the news? And I was like. No, and then I spent the next twenty minutes like asking follow up questions. Like if if I were right. if I were wise as an entertainer, I Move would on. just get off right. that. But instead, I was like, "How did this happen? Like, what was going on with the guy? Like, I wanted to investigate." Now I bet you everyone was very happy they came to the comedy show. Yeah, exactly. So I turned how, it around. I turned no, I'm sure you did. So it went on for a while. Were you? Yeah, like, yeah. Because you felt bad, and and then you know by doing that, you were able to you know be a person about it. Yeah. I, I mean, I understand the, the instinct there because there are moments like that where, because I think when you do crowd work or you react like that, we do want to take a shot. And sometimes, you know, you're going to miss and, and, and it can hit really wrong. Yeah. So unless you're a complete asshole, you're going to try to you know get back a little bit of, yeah, know, a little bit of turf. Like, you know, oh God, I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. Sure. Yeah. Well, you're a pretty sensitive guy. Hmm. So where you got coming up? Well, I have like a month and a half off right now where I'm working on the script for the we're doing a movie adaptation of sleepwalk with me who's writing it with you seth um, seth's working on it with me uh and uh my brother joe's working on it with me and ira glass is producing it uh and and so we're we're just trying to just get it made you know? what's, oh is that what's the plan i talked to a lot of guys about this making movies making business. movies is complicated but we're, we're hoping to shoot in january i mean that's kind of the, who's gonna play you you joking it's a shot at me. Of course, I'm playing myself. <laughs> you don't even realize you're being mean. You're of just, course, I did. Of course, oh, you I did. You did. Yes. Okay. I'm not, I just you said it with a perfectly straight face, and there's no one else in the room. I know. It was so worth it to see you go. Are you joking? <laughs> <laughs> I have to deal with that all the time. It's so sad when you have to have it written into your contract that you have to play yourself. But that was hilarious. Mike, How would you really think I would assume that you would cast someone else as you? I, you don't understand. I get that question all the time. People ask me that legitimately all the time. Oh. Legitimately. Okay. But now, what, what is the process now? So you're writing a script, and how are you going to do I've it? I've written a script. I mean, we... Are you doing it as a movie or as a movie of a, a show? As a movie. As a movie. Okay. You know, the so, same way that, like, Bronx Tale was a movie. Oh, shit. Of, of a one-man show. That was, a, you know, you just, that was Chaz Von Viteri. No, I get it, but you're show. not, you're not shooting the one man show. No, you're building a script that's we based on the it. experience. We've, we've written it, and, and okay, and we, um, you know, there's, uh, there's actors who are want to do it. You've and, got people attached. Yeah, yeah there's, yeah, the, it's, it's, it's in process. It's in motion. Oh, it is. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, we're gonna shoot. With, you know, then there's investors who are involved in like, you know, or about to be involved in like, uh, you know, we're hopefully gonna shoot in January and. You actually were really encouraging when I spoke to you a few months ago. You were the one who, because I was, I was with a production company for a while, who, and it's a company that I respect a lot. Yeah. That, but but that we didn't see quite eye to eye on exactly what this film 
is. And, and I was talking to you about it and you said, you know, you just got to do, you got to, you got to leave and just make the movie on your own. Cause like, that's what you do. You're the kind of guy who just makes stuff on your own. And I, and that was one of the, the, the impetus is for, for me uh, leaving and, and going, yeah, I'm going to go make this on my own. Cause that, yeah. And it worked true. out. Well, I mean, you know, well, we'll you're see. in a better situation. Yeah. I, mean, I think I'm in better. So psychologically, I certainly am. And I helped you. Yeah, you helped oh, me. That's nice. Because we do end up, that's the weird thing, is that despite whatever attention I may have invented or created or caused you, it seems like over the last few years, since I've known you, when we have sat down and talked and you needed to talk to me, that it it uh, it was good for both of us. I think so, yeah. Not unlike this time, and I want to thank you for uh, for coming by. Thank you. This this makes me want to hang out with you more. Do, do you want to keep the mics on, or you want to just hang out in general? Just in general. All right, Mike, let's hang out more. Okay, my friends, I think we did it. I think we, uh, you know, I think I think everything's okay. I think I opened my heart. I think uh, Mike and I are good. I think that it was a great uh, experiment in me overcoming resentment. I, I know that I do that a lot. Uh, I hope to have you some shows from England in the next week and also uh, Patrice O'Neill coming up. I appreciate you listening. Go to WTFPod.com and uh, do what you need to do. Get on my mailing list. It's important. I mail things. Uh, also, kick in a little a little, uh, little scratch if you can, a little bread, a little green. Uh, you know, do, uh, you know, because we are doing this for a living for the most part. I am anyways. Uh, and uh, Brendan and I are, are, are working hard. So uh, if you can, you know, donate, throw some money in, do, uh, do a super premium donation, 250 bucks, you get all the premium episodes. And also uh, all three of my CDs, a special WTF Best Of CD, two T-shirts, man, stickers, the whole gift pack for the $250 premium one-time donation. And that brings me to the new premium episode that is up. If you go to WTF Pod Shop, you can get the new episode, which uh, I mentioned earlier in the show. Michael Ian Black, Ryan Singer, Hannibal Burris, uh, Shane Moss, Chris Fairbanks. Yeah, WTFPodShop.com. Do that up, pick that up, and if you're a premium uh, special super donor for 250, uh, and anyone who donated more than that, you get it for free. Love you. Talk later. Bye. Bye.